I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And welcome to Spoiler Alert, episode 93 for May 2021. I'm Duncan. And I'm Simon. And 1993 was a year of doubles. Twin successes for Spielberg, releasing two giant films of not just his career, but cinema history in the same year. Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. The first and fourth highest box office earners of the year. Oh. Yeah, must be. We're doing all right. While Tom Hanks had the eighth and ninth top earners with Sleepless in Seattle and Philadelphia. Holly Hunter being Oscar nominated twice in acting roles in The Firm and The Piano. Pooh Stallone action films, Cliffhanger and Demolition Man. Man, what a return, eh? Yeah. 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 Uh, after Oscar, probably, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, of course, the latter, Demolition Man, which brought public attention to Sandra Bullock for the first time. Mm-hmm. As well as the classic warning of murder, death, kill, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I still use today. A double hit of critical recognition for Leonardo DiCaprio, um, acting across from De Niro in This Boy's Life, and Johnny Depp in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, stunning. Yeah, good year. Uh, a two hit for Daniel Day-Lewis as well. We often think of him as, as kind of having a long time in between films. Yeah, we, we two, do, we do. He did two films in this year, um, The Age of Innocence uh, with Scorsese and The Harrowing in the Name of the Father. On the flip side, some fun comedies, Joe Dante's Matinee, Mike Myers' Sorry Married an Axe Murderer, and of course the film which ruined I Got You Babe Forever, Groundhog Day, which I discovered beat both Schindler's List and the piano to win Best Screenplay at the BAFTAs. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's a great screenplay. Oh, it is. It's a fantastic yeah, screenplay. And it's actually cool that um, comedy gets recognised because yeah, it doesn't a lot. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, again, one of, the big, one of the best screenplays I think is Back to the Future. Yeah. And I think that's just a... Marvelous film, yeah, yeah, and uh, Groundhog Day's right up there for me. It's you know, as far as comedies go, also probably my contender for best soundtrack to a disproportionately bad film, uh, Judgment Night, <laughs> which, um, you know, the soundtrack was just everywhere in '93, uh, where they mixed up um, rap and rock. I couldn't tell you anything about the film, yeah, um, yeah. While another fun satirical soundtrack was Chris Rock's gangster rap comedy CB4. Uh, while on the serious side of LA was the brutal menace to society, containing what I think should have been a star-making performance for Lorenz Tate as ruthless murderer O-Dog. He's so good in that, and I always kind of thought he'd go into bigger things. Right. I thought it was going to be like his, you know, De Niro, Johnny Boy, yeah, and yeah. Mean Streets kind of role. While there was Psychos Aplenty in True Romance, of course, uh, Altman's star-studded shortcuts, Richard Linklater's star-studded before they were stars, Days Confused, Jeff Bridges' Teaming with Peter Weir for the excellent Fearless, Pacino and Penn in De Palma's Kalido Way. Another little gem that captured my imagination in that year was The Music of Chance. Paul Ostia's philosophically absurd novel has turned into a curious film starring Mandy Pantekin and James Spader as gamblers, whose loss at a high-stakes game has bizarre consequences. And finally, regulousness will know and probably be tired of me telling you about <laughs> 1993. It's one of my favourite films of all time, The Remains of the Day. Yeah. Yep. No, no, great. Keep saying it. Keep saying <laughs> it. It's, it's well worth it. Uh, before I get into uh, 93, uh, do you remember when we used to do Spoiler Alert News? Oh, yeah. So, Spoiler Alert News, everyone. Henry Cavill has been cast in Highlander. 
Oh, there can be only one. Yeah. So, I mean, you have stopped doing news as a regular part of the podcast, yeah. but I will never, never stop talking about Highlander. <laughs> How do you feel about Henry Cavill being in it? Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't care because I, I yeah. fully expect in a year's time I'll be naming somebody else. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll be, you know, Tom Holland or something in yeah. Highlander. So, yeah. you know, it's fine. Just keep I, throwing out names, people. Surely, I think you. You should. I mean, you have the birthright, don't you? Because Lambert. Yeah, Lambert. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel I've aged out of the role. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe you could be like a. It could be a Logan S kind of grizzled. Oh, you know, like Dark yeah, Knight yeah, Returns. For sure, for sure. I could, yeah. I could do that. I could yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I have no. I don't know. I think this might happen. You yeah. know. Yeah, but I mean, I. We've been doing um, Highlander News since <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was attached. Yeah, I think we did it like the first couple of, yeah, um, yeah. like 10 years ago, yeah, literally. 10 years ago. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, this will probably won't happen, but I had to do it. I've, I've got to keep the, you know, the, the public, they want to be informed. They demand to know this. They'll always come out to me and go, hey, what's the latest on Highlander? You haven't talked about Highlander. <laughs> so, you know. People on the streets are stopping you. Yeah, all yeah. the time. So, um, there you go, everyone. You can yeah. stop asking me. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, 93 had a lot of horror guilty pleasures, but little in the way of, Actual pleasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason went to hell, and the Living Dead returned for a part three, which was a step up from part two. And plenty of horror fans will tell you that's good enough. And let me tell you, it's not. <laughs> uh, there's an endless parade of sequels: more demonic toys and dolmen, more warlocks and witchboards, more maniac cops and psycho cops. Amongst the stuff that's you know, worth your time, the love of crafty and Necronomicon. Oh, it's always so hard to say that. <laughs> Has its moments, and I always enjoyed Abel Ferreira's take on body snatchers. Mm-hmm. Though it's, uh, it's been an age since I saw it, so I wonder how it will hold up now. Mm. Uh, sticking with bodies, Australia delivered the gross-out body horror Body Melt, with mm-hmm. the deliciously odd sight of neighbour stalwart Ian Smith, aka uh, lovable goofball Harold Bishop, <laughs> um, going from Ramsey Street to rampaging slaughter. Oh, uh, great! It's quite something. Like he made it in the middle of like his run, basically. Wow! So he was just like Harold Bishop and Wolf Creek. Yeah, that was <laughs> it. Um, and then back to Harold Bishop. But I think, I think it was a case of like maybe he was bored or, or realised he was getting typecast had to do something. Yeah. It's a really strange film. Um, really gooey too. Right. Really gooey. Uh, it, like I say, goofy, gory fun, as is Cannibal the Musical. Oh. Uh, the first film from South Park creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Super low budget and full of cheap gore and ridiculous musical numbers. When I'm on top of you, uh, <laughs> a love story to a horse uh, being perhaps my favourite. Yeah. You know? uh, Cannibal is a real blast. Yeah. Which it's leaves me with the difficult task of pulling a favourite from this muck. And I'm going to go with another directorial debut, this time from Gelamo del Toro with the vampiric Kronos. All right. Yeah. Uh, lots of del Toro obsessions starting to congeal here. Fairy tale themes, intricate production design, a story that sympathises with the monsters over the monstrous humans, Ron Perlman. Right. It's full of expressive camera work, maybe a little uh, stilted in its pacing, and Del Toro would get that sorted before long. So, <laughs> But it's also weird and smart, telling a story of a monstrous immortality from the perspective of an innocent. Right. Yeah. I'll have to check this one out. Yeah, no, it's a good little film. But 93 was uh, uh, bad for horror. Great for everything else but the sound of things. Yeah. 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 Not very spadoical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, Simon, what have you been watching? Well, I've seen a few <laughs> flicks. Um, it's good to start off with a big <laughs> sigh. <laughs> no, no, I've seen a few flicks. Um, almost all of them horror this month, which right. um, I know I know that's my thing, but actually mm. it hasn't been for a while. I've been, you know, I've almost exclusively watched horror movies this month, yeah. which has really been fun. Um, but any time I watch a big screen horror, 
that has to be the film I talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's science or something. Anyway, <laughs> and this month I saw Saw, or rather Spiral from the Book of Saw. Right, yeah. Yeah, a book I didn't even know existed, by the <laughs> way. Uh, I remember really liking the original Saw from way back in 2004, or at least did admiring the chutzpah of the first uh, two first-time filmmakers who made this low-budget contained horror happen. Uh, it felt fresh, tense, and it made the best of limited locations and had the good sense to have a killer final act. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dipped out of the films that followed, but seemed to me to become repetitive and grim, only finding originality in how they could offer uh, chained-up victims the most awful of, you know, tram car scenarios that almost always resulted in their death. Mm. And frankly, most of the time, I think I think I would choose death in that scenario. You yeah. Know, you know, like, have all your skin ripped off or, you know, die. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so along comes Spiral, which has something original from the start. Chris Rock, yeah. here as a producer and a story writer, it's odd to see rock and roll so jaw-clenchingly straight. Mm. Uh, he makes gags as well. Thank God, because this film needed gags. But he's mostly frowning in rolled-up shirt sleeves, uh, shouting, squinting, sweating, and being the most lone wolf cop who ever lone wolfed. <laughs> uh, because along with being a sore film, Spiral is a cop film. And boy, does it lean into those trappings. Uh, the cops here are a brooding mess of crooked cliches from a million bad cop TV shows and movies. They glower in cheap shirts and ties, smirk and tell Rock Zeke that he, he's too close to this. <laughs> and Zeke is every straight arrow cop with issues you've ever seen. His divorce was messy, of course, and left him bitter. You can bet he does not want a partner. <laughs> Especially not that rookie straight out of the academy who graduated top of his class. No way. <laughs> and in a trope that I would hang on the tree of woe if we were still doing this, maybe we will. Uh, he drives a beaten up muscle car from the 70s. Right. It's 2021. Mm. Uh, so that's the cop half of the equation. The other half of Spiral is the resurrection of the Saw franchise. And I guess that's why you're here, if you're here. Mm. Uh, but I found it all a bit underwhelming. I've never loved the complex traps that offer their victims a Sophie's choice of carnage. There's little tension in part because the audience kind of want the pain, you know? Mm. Uh, and we mostly do not like the poor saps who are caught in the traps. Uh, live or die, who really cares, right? Mm. Um, and we know they're going to die. It's just a matter of how gruesome their demise. And unfortunately, there's little new about this half of the film either. I can't get my head around how uh, e- anybody's able to construct these machines, mm. you know? Uh, how they? Te- how did you <laughs> test them to make sure they work? How do they keep them hidden from view until someone wakes to find themselves just stuck in one, you mm. know? Um, I mean, this is a franchise that relies heavily on the abundance of deserted warehouses. I was going to say, man, there must be so many warehouses. So there. many warehouses. Yeah. It's like um, an entire series of Miami Vice, you know, warehouses at the <laughs> yeah. docks, you know, that no one's in. Um, yeah, I just don't believe they exist. I mean, somebody's got to. I mean, you're renting out that real estate. You've got to be using it for something, right? Mm. Anyway, uh, this reaches the heights of absurdity when one of the cops finds themselves in a trap inside the bowels of their own police station. <laughs> I mean, why did no one see this thing being built? Did no one go down and go, it's a strange thing. It looks like a bed, but it's like a <laughs> clockwork. And how are all the components smuggled in, you know? Why do all these devices still, the devices still have grainy 4 by 3 tube TVs, you know, <laughs> staticking out their dire choices for death or disfigurement? It's 2021. <laughs> Get an LCD screen. Um, the saving grace of this film is that there is a kind of a mystery. It's not particularly challenging, but it gives the characters something to chase. And you were a chance to wonder how any of this is possible while they're doing it. Without that, it would just be dated bad cop, good cop beats, and more of those traps that I'm just kind of sick of seeing. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a tough one. Yeah, I haven't watched a Saw film in pff, I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a while for me, eh? Yeah. So... It- 
but but the car the car thing in the movies, eh? Yeah. It's 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 twenty twenty one. Why are you driving a nineteen seventy seven muscle car? Like I've owned an old car once before. It'll break down. Uh, yeah. It'll cost you a fortune in gas and rust repairs. Always the rust. Uh, it's no doubt no faster, you know, or man, mm-hmm. more agile than a new car. Uh, crooks will see you a mile away, right? Mm-hmm. And when you arrest them, what are you going to do with them? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really have a back seat, you know? Yeah. Um, tough guy cops have been rolling around in classic muscle cars for years. And it just looks more and more stupid as the films get newer, you know? It's, mm. um, it's all Steve McQueen's fault, eh? Yeah. You know? Lay um, the blame at him. Totally. Uh, you know, he looked super cool in a super cool Mustang in 1968's Bullet. Mm. But that was a 68 Mustang. <laughs> you know, that came out that year, you know? Uh, so, t- you know, to paraphrase Matthew McConaughey and Dacing Fuse, the cars get older, but the films stay the same age, <laughs> you know, or something like that. I mean, it feels fitting, 93, eh? Yeah. And that ga- age gap just looks sillier and sillier every time I see someone in one, you know, one yeah. of these cars. Yeah, it's in, like, it's in Cobra as well. They've got one oh, as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I remember in that film just going, man, you need to get a better car. Like, even in the 80s, this was like way out of date. And yeah. And be driving around in that. Oh. He's driving around like he's in American Graffiti or something. Trying to outrun 80s cars. It was like, well. Yeah, so many films. I mean, um, Faster, you know, that Dwayne Johnson one where mm-hmm. he, he, he comes out and he, um, of prison, I think, immediately driving a 78 Charger or something. It's like, yeah. I don't know, man. That's going to be. <laughs> you, people are going to see you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Conspicuous. Yeah. Anyway, hey, how about you? <laughs> how was your month in film? Uh, well, look, um, as I'm sure we'll discuss, it, it's been a, a Netflix kind of month. Yeah. And. Um, They've had two big releases this month. Um, the first um, of which was The Woman in the Window. Amy Adams stars as a, a agoraphobic who thinks she sees her neighbour being killed. Uh, taking a pinch of rear window, a dash of spellbound and a sprinkling of vertigo, it's a Hitchcockian soup that is really tough to swallow. Uh, painfully aware of its influences to the point that it plays them, has her watching them on a TV screen. Ooh. You know, like as she's... You know, as she's falling asleep, as if that somehow absolves them that's of being good, derivative. Eh? That's never good. Yeah, it's kind of like people going, "Wow, yeah, we know it's derivative, but so that absolves us, right?" Like, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you're just stealing stuff. Um, now I was sure because of the just a huge amount of talent that's involved in really small roles in this, uh, and there's a single setting and a very basic story. I, w- I was certain that this was made under COVID conditions. Oh, right. And I, I was just watching this go. Oh, they must have got these people in um but what i found out afterwards is that it was made nearly two years ago and due to test screenings had undergone both reshoots and re-edits and that had fallen into the covid thing so it was supposed to be released like a couple of months after covid hit but in fact it was actually supposed to be released a year before covid hit. But was it was it intended for a cinema release yeah in yeah. 2019 and then they do reshoots re-edits and then it Took like a, a year. Oh, it has Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore, uh, and in small roles, it has Wyatt Russell, Anthony Mackie, who shows up for like one scene. Yeah, that's a cast, eh? yeah. It, it, it's a best selling novel adapted by Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Tracy Letts, and it's helmed by Atonement director Joe Wright. Whoa, so all talented in their craft, and yet somehow delivering material far beneath them. It's really difficult to lay any blame at the actor's feet. Um, Adams particularly kind of does her best. But the biggest mystery in this film is what attracted such talent to coalesce around yeah, it. Right. I, I really can't wrap my head around what anyone saw in this film. Yeah, uh, It's bizarre. And I, I was shocked that it wasn't made under COVID because it's basically Amy Adams on a, on a, on a 
studio set yeah. you know what i mean so you're like well, surely this is mm. you know your crew must have been like 20 people and you this is, and gary Oldman's in this and you're like gary Oldman's playing this just the most throwaway role you know that anyone could play it's really bizarre mm. <laughs> so yeah anyway so i watched that and i just kind of wish i hadn't wow i uh, would not recommend it crazy yeah um, amy adams too you know someone i really rate generally. yeah 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 yeah. Oh, yeah yeah like i say you know an award-winning talent yeah. here and it's just i don't understand what attracted any of you to this because it's the most uh derivative and predictable film you've ever seen like it feels like a netflix movie in the worst sense of the word yeah wow yeah you can't fly into vegas it's restricted airspace but you can fly out there is an abandoned rescue helicopter on top of the north tower Sodom. if you coordinate and communicate this should be a simple in and out and now it's time for No Comps, the part of the show where we go out and watch a film in the cinema. And this month, we've fired up the Netflix machine and streamed a film directly into our eyeballs instead. And that film is Army of the Dead, starring Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Anna De La Rigura. That's terrible. That's a shocker. Anna De La Rigura, Garrett De La Hunt, and the digital wraith-like presence of Tignataro. Uh, directed and cinematographed, by Zachary <laughs> Snyder, uh, written by Snyder, Shay Hatton, and Joby Harold. After zombies take over Las Vegas, the authorities wall off the city and plant a new kit. A band of mercenaries enter the ruins to find a casino vault containing a fortune before the nuke can hit. All oh, right, there you go. Very nice, uh, very concise. Mm. My one was like twice as long, and I don't think I learned anything more from mine. Yeah. Um, so, look, <laughs> one part heist movie with a slathering of getting the team back together. One part action film and one part zombie film, sprinkled with a load of what the kids call Easter eggs, uh, which may or may not make sense in future sequels and prequels, etc. We'll see. All messed together and draped over a surprising number of plot points from the 1996 classic Aliens. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Army of the Dead is Zack Snyder's return to the genre that made him back in 2004 with Dawn of the Dead. Mm. The beginning. Oh, the joy and invention. Oh, my and gosh. Fun to be had in the film's opening titles. Mm. But it's also done in Zombieland, right? Uh, remember the zombie strippers chasing down a customer in slow mm. motion? Well, how about a zombie strippers feasting on a man in a spa to create a literal bloodbath mm. in slow motion? Hell, Snyder rips off his own Watchmen opening titles uh, with another montage explaining the history of this new world in just four minutes, just like he did in Watchmen. Mm. Um, what's also interesting is that the final moments of this opening titles contains what I felt was the most effective piece piece of sympathy in the film uh, a couple of nameless characters demise affected me more than any other right uh just meters away from safety they fall victim and become the last brick in a wall cutting off las yeah, vegas yeah, yeah, yeah. from the rest of the world it's a, it's a it is an effective exclamation mark on a fun and informative piece of world building that contains some dark gallows humor in it yeah 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 it's really i mean it's obviously something snyder's really good at yeah because i think about the original um credit sequence to Dawn of the Dead as well. Mm. I mean, that was at the time. Do you mm. that? Yeah, totally. Johnny Cash song that was yeah. really celebrated. Like, this was a real uh, blast, um, yeah, or a blow if you like, considering <laughs> how the uh, uh, the zombie apocalypse is, is, you know, in the pre-credit sequence. Yeah, it's brought into. But um, yeah, that whole credit sequence is great, yeah. colourful, bright. Yeah. You know, the the parachutist coming down towards the zombie horde. I thought yeah. was a real standout. You yeah, know? Um, and I just love the colours too. After yeah. the whole 
you know, DC Snyderverse, I guess, being so drab and mm. grey to see um, all these bright colours exploding over Vegas was was cool. It was, yeah. it was refreshing, you know. Uh, like George A. Romero, the god of the zombie film, Snyder toys with bigger themes. Uh, though unlike Romero, he's not really able to land any of them, I don't think. There are camps of survivors outside Vegas, treated almost like subhumans themselves, by the brutal enforcers, who check their temperatures with thermometer-like guns, meaning we've got a nod to border issues and flirtation with COVID. Uh, though neither of these ideas get a lot of play, I felt. Mm. Uh, likewise, an off-screen unnamed president seems remarkably Trumpian, mm-hmm. uh, highlighted by the appearance of former Trump guy Sean Spicer. <laughs> Did you notice that? I did notice that, yeah. Sean Spicer. I mean, that gave me a moment, eh? <laughs> Playing Sean Spicer. It was definitely gave me a good laugh when I saw him. And then, of course, there's Vegas itself, an amped-up icon of consumerism run amok, an even more potentially potent image than the more from Dawn of the Dead, even if that idea is never really, like, decently explored, you know? Mm. I, I kind of felt that Snyder trades in cliches here. Uh, the characters, particularly being a platoon of what I thought was swaggering assholes. You can't wait to see short torn to shreds. Um, the laconic leader, his snotty daughter, the abusive prison guard, the peppy brainiac who's foreign for no reason, the cigar-chomping helicopter pilot, the guilt-ridden ice-cold mercenary, the untrustworthy company man, the showboating psycho, all band together to trade aggravated one-liners you've heard a hundred times, only better. Um, Snyder does build some suspense in certain scenes, but also allows some deaths to simply pass without any significance and others to kind of have the crew in tears, which mm. I guess you kind of expect in this. Mm. Um, look, the... I'll just say off the bat, the film has no right being two and a half hours long. <laughs> I'm not even sure it even has the right to be two hours long. Um, a near three-hour zombie film is almost, by definition, going to have extraneous flab that I kind of wish a zombie would choose. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, oh, look, uh, 100%. Look, onto that cast. One of the things that this film has in its favour, I felt, uh, is the best big man in the movies at the moment, uh, Dave Bautista. Not as charismatic, charismatic as The Rock, perhaps, or as iconic as Arnie in his day. He is the best performer of them all, in some ways. Uh, he's obviously a beast in the action scenes, leaping across tables, firing to the hip, or knifing his way through a horde of the undead. But he's also the best part of the more dramatic scenes, bringing empathy to the drama of the touchy father-daughter relationship, or the out-of-nowhere confession of a romantic interest. Uh, and that's a blessing, because these are the parts of the film I like the least. Uh, you know, Dave stealing scenes from his castmates made them better than they deserved, because really... They weren't written with an ear for originality and could and should probably have been delivered on the run, I think. You know, I often think of films like The Terminator, where so much exposition comes out of action scenes, you know? Mm. Uh, and yet Army of the Dead has to sort of grind to a halt mm. so that people can talk about their feelings. And as you said, this is a two-and-a-half-hour film. <laughs> it's too long. Not, I felt, uh, ultimately problematically long for me because I pretty much enjoyed it, but... Mm. It didn't need to be two and a half hours. No. And these scenes are the ones that kind of really kill that momentum. Oh, totally. Look, uh, look I think Snyder does a disservice to Alana, does a disservice to Ella Purnell, uh, turning the moral centre of the film into a preachy bore who just Ugh. confronts every character and gets a damp squib of a scene, which I thought with her father, that reveals an unconvincing motivation for their acrimonious relationship. Like, yeah. I didn't think that they did that very well. That the actual reason for their, no. their split. I was like, really? That's it? Um, 
And and I actually <laughs> thought I was kind of the reverse view. I actually thought it was an uncomfortable looking Dave Bautista is just being continually ambushed by women wanting to tell him how emotionally he stunted <laughs> he is in the middle of like icing zombies. It's like, can we have this conversation oh. when there's not a nuke coming in no, and no, there's no. like hordes of zombies around? B- us? Believe me, I think the scenes are problematic. I think they're problematically written, but I yeah. think Dave deals with them pretty well. I, I, I don't know. I just got to thought that. I think he's a lot of things. He's predictably good in Spectre. He's surprisingly good in Blade Runner 2049. But I actually thought that this kind of, unfortunately, his lack of range is showing up here. He, he, I don't know if he gives that much to the actresses when they're, and I don't know if it's written that way. Mm. But I think an actor with, with more capability would probably interpret those scenes and those monosyllabic kind of <laughs> retorts a little bit with a little bit more nuance or something i don't know but you give it a little bit more he's just far more at home destroying the zombies which is just a, a joy to watch you know him mm. slice through around pokey machines and and oh, d- jumping off roulette tables the and whole running along the roulette tables i think yeah. it's in the trailer but it's, it's yeah. a great little moment it's real fun oh, it's great and it, you mm. know like and those as you rightly point out as a, as a kind of an arnie or a rock action guy i'm like yeah this is great you know he's mm-hmm. great you know and, and he's, he's a believable leader of people you know i'd imagine yeah of course i you know yeah. If I'm there, I'm going to be following Dave Bautista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just stick a little bit closer than anyone else. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, back, totally. basically. Totally. Hey, his daughter too. She should have put more clothes on. I Everyone mean, should. Why are you not wearing arm guards? Why is no one these wearing arm guards? Bite you, yeah. and that makes you into a zombie. And yeah. she's going in wearing like a singlet. Yeah, sleeveless. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people were a little underdressed, but she was criminally underdressed. <laughs> and there was a moment there before they went in where he could have said, "Look, grab a jacket." Yeah, some le- something leathery, <laughs> some gloves or something. Just before we go, just dress up a little more. I just wish in a film like they, these guys almost have like body armor on at points where it's like they've kind of got like, oh, in case I get shot or something like around mm. their chest and stuff. But then they have all these bare arms, and it's only the arms. No one's ever getting bitten in the leg. It's always the arms. Yeah, totally. Crazy. Yeah, or the neck sometimes, and that kind of neck up a shoulder. Yeah. Or, you know, when you get surprised, zombied. Yeah, you know, I'd just be wearing like a wearing like a. a, a Knight's armor, you know what I mean, into these things. <laughs> I wouldn't let my daughter be going in. No, you know. Oh, just well, just, just try and stop her, Simon. <laughs> just try and stop her. She's wearing a tank top. <laughs> I mean, she she should have she should have had known better, right? Oh uh, well. I, I mean, she lives there. She lives like on the outskirts. Yeah. Are you blaming her for what she's wearing, Simon? What's <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, no sorry, daughter. Of, no daughter of mine <laughs> is going into Las Vegas. Uh, look. There's a lot of. <laughs> I'm moving on real quickly. Yeah, now, really quickly. I, I think you 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 you're getting me in trouble. I'm putting words in your mouth, have I? Totally, uh, yeah. Mm. No. Wow. There's a lot of half-baked ideas, confusing revelations, and only partly uh, explored developments. Now, Snyder's working on a prequel about Dita, the safe cracker, mm-hmm. to be directed by the actor himself, uh, as well as a prequel animated series. So perhaps some of this will be answered. But I'm not a big fan of the. I oh, just need to watch all this other stuff. Then it will all make sense. Approach, mm. you know. Uh, in short, though, if the heroes need to break into a vault owned by the mysterious uh, Bly Tanaka, why do they need to crack the safe, right? It's his safe, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that the idea? Uh, and why didn't he warn them about the evil traps? Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. And why do we never see Vanderhoe use that kick-ass saw that he uses in the trailer yeah. and in the, um, in, in the credit sequence? I mean, that's like yeah. – I mean, it's the ultimate Chekhov's gun. If you, if, you, if you see the circular saw there, it's got to be used in the last scene. And it's not, which is crazy. And what's with all the zombie types? There's super tough alphas, right? Yeah. Ninja-like zombies, shambling zombies. Zombies that are played by dancers who are a little bit, you know, kind of amateur theatrical for my liking. It's a little bit over the top. Mm. Um, zombies that have become desiccated husks that are brought back to life by rain. 
And spoiler alert, it doesn't rain. <laughs> I know. So that's a bit of a bust, you know. Yeah. Hibernating zombies. Yeah. The the, the friend of the show, uh, Clayton, was talking to me about that. He used the Chekhov's gun for that. It was like, how do you bring up these zombies who can be oh. like r- resurrected with the rain and then you don't like, have rain on You them. know. As soon as he said it, oh, it's gonna, it never rains. It's going to rain. rain. It's going to yeah. rain. It doesn't rain. Oh, just doesn't wait rain. for the animation. Yeah. Animation. So, But look, finally, in the film's biggest WTF moment, a zombie is shot in the head to reveal its metal skull, meaning that robo-zombies are also a thing in this film's yeah. universe. Robo-zombies. Wild, eh? <laughs> Like how many times can we see the nerdy safecracker squealing in terror at zombies to the disapproving looks from his staunch mentor? A lot is mm-hmm. the answer. Like, <laughs> quite a lot. The dialogue is really overwritten, especially early on. Uh, and I mean, especially early on because once I start chopping into zombies, you get less dialogue, thankfully. Yeah. But that first kind of half hour, and it takes like, if you take that montage sequence out at the beginning, it takes like nearly 40, 45 minutes before there's actually any zombies. Yeah, I, I remember looking at uh, the time and realising it was like about an hour by the time you enter Vegas. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, probably even longer than that. So uh, it contains nods, as you say, to Mad Max and then homage bordering on theft of Die Hard and Aliens. You know, like the scene where they opened the safe was like, okay, so you're just ripping off when they rip open the safe and Die Hard? Like slow motion music, you know, like... Yeah. I was expecting, you know, the uh, Beethoven's Ninth to start playing, you know. It was the Oh, but the Alien stuff is even wild, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There are so many plot points in there and so <laughs> many, um, you know, visually as well. Oh, so exactly. I mean, you know, the, the helicopter, when they come up to the roof and the yep. helicopter's gone. Was totally. Like, um, the company man. Oh, don't even get me started on that. I, like. <laughs> well, I'm starting you on it. Yeah, you are starting me on it. A shady character who everyone suspects of being shady revealed to be shady. Yeah. Like, everyone's going, I don't trust you. Yeah. Like, okay, so they're going to subvert this stereotype. No. No. <laughs> He's, <laughs> the only thing that was, you know, at least they give him the, you know, Jurassic World death that um, oh, he that deserves. Oh, woman in Jurassic World, yeah. Yeah, but at least he deserves, you know. Oh, I'm like, okay, I well, loved his death scene. Yeah, and hey, zombie tigers, props. I like zombie tigers. Totally it was great. And his death cool. And look, I like him as a performer. Like, Gary yeah. Dillahunt is yeah. a really good fan. And, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's basically a a, a gun toting Burke from um, from Aliens. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like we're getting into spoiler territory here, but oh, I can't help it. it. Okay, I don't understand why is it important that everyone else dies. He locks that woman in. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the woman at the end. He locks her in so that she gets eaten by yeah. the zombies. Another part where she locks. He locks another woman in and says, "Ha! Ah, I tricked you a couple of times now." And he, all I wanted was the head of this mm-hmm. Uber zombie. I didn't even care about the money. Yeah. It's like, man, so you sent one guy in. Why didn't you send all of them in and said, we, you go get the money, but we want this guy's head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. The, and you guys helped this guy out to get this head. Oh, why do you? It's, it's just, it was bizarre. I don't understand why he needs everyone dead. It is a confusing setup. I agree <laughs> with you, Duncan. As a character motivation, was like, I'm not sure. Don't you need at least people to help you get out of here? Yeah, it would make more sense. I mean, you, you still have to fight your way out. So, you yeah. know, surely keeping Big Dave around, for instance, yeah. and, you know. Um, yeah. Any of them. Like, I don't understand why the he. with the big saw and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that part where, where that, the, the first um, soldier kind of dies, she's, you know, like. Knifing everyone in the head and shooting oh, yeah, it all, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then she comes smashing out of that window. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, she's going to tell everyone that this guy's bad. And it's like, no. And they were just standing around, going, oh, we can't help her. 
They're so like, close. Yeah, yeah. They're so close they're to so her. Close and there's like no <laughs> zombies behind them, and they're like, oh, we can't help her. And it's like, why not? Why can't you help her? Felt like you could have. Yeah, felt like you just. They were holding them back, going, "No, nah, we can't help her." Yeah, you, you can. Yeah, you can go up and pick her up. That and was drag her out. slightly poorly directed. Eh? Like was, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. The daughter character is going after this other person, and um, who's this kind of MacGuffin level importance? Mm. And they just disappear. At the end of the film, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm just like what? Okay, so yeah. you're not even going to write anything for this character, like yeah. Who yeah. actually has a scene earlier on, so you understand her motivations yeah, yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it, and she has dialogue, and then she just turns into this. I could have completely done without any of that. That yeah. that whole story is actually what slows down absolutely the, the yeah. start of the film. The worst, yeah. The evil security guard who's you know kind yeah. of you know, and they're like, yeah. oh, we'll drag him in. It's like, gee, wonder if he's going to turn into a zombie and come back and attack you. You know, he is. But I, I did like the <laughs> shooting him and just leaving him. For, yeah, was, was was fun. Look, the action though is mostly great. I thought. Mm-hmm. Shame about the saw, of course, uh, and, and it's muscular. This the CG mixed in with the stunt work works really well. And while the evolution of zombie kind is confusing, perhaps it makes for good action because you you want to run and gun chase with fast moving zombies. Got it. Mm-hmm. A messy stabathon with slow moving ghouls. Check. Dave Bautista having a knife fight with a super quick pack of alpha zombies. Yes, indeed. You know it's covering a lot of bases mm. from like an action zombie killing. Yeah. Um, you know, approach. And not only does a zombie tiger to get to go on the attack, but but as we talked about, this attack goes on way longer than I expected mm. and finishes in really gruesome style. Mm. So I think delivering on the zombie action is something that this film actually gets around to doing really well. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't do the suspense a lot of zombies, but it does do the action. It's more yeah, of a kind of yeah. action style thing. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Pignataro's uh, deadpan kind of delivery, I, I think, Actually helps underplay her almost exclusively sarcastic one-liners. Yeah, and um, it helps to stand out in a film stuffed with an unusable amount of characters. Like, yeah, it, it, it tries to give meaningful deaths and motivations to over a dozen characters, including zombies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's right. But the th- I did not know that she had been. Did you not? I had no idea. I wish I didn't because I found myself watching that film going, "Oh yeah, she does look." A- it was oh, a bit odd. And, you know, yeah, so for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, she was digitally put into this yep. um, post because the person who was in the film got sexual allegations against them and got, you know, yeah. got I Kevin Spacey love, out of it. So. If you're going to Kevin Spacey a dude out, yeah. replace him with Tignatara. Yeah, exactly. Every and time, I love it. Like, she never met Dave. Yeah. Yeah, and, she, and I don't think she met any of the cast. It was yeah. all shot on a green screen, all her stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Um, and, and mostly... Like I say, I, I wish I hadn't known that because I found myself watching it for right. it and just trying to think about how they did it. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to a slight tangent here. This Please. Rem- this reminded this me. This is what we do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like, no, no, you can't. We've got to stick to the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. P- Please remind me a bit about my sexism again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will anyway. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, back in 2006. Joe Carnahan unleashing his frustrations in, with smoking aces. Yeah. Uh, he spent years developing Mission Impossible 3 and then acrimoniously left the film and then delivered a single... You know I didn't know that. Yeah. He, yeah. he So apparently he, he did NARC, which I really liked. I like NARC. Yeah. yeah. And Tom Cruise saw it and was like, this guy's great. Mm. Got in contact with him, said, saw NARC, want you to mm. get involved in Mission Impossible 3. Headhunted him, got him on board. He was doing Mission Impossible 3 and then they fell out, mm. basically. And uh, Carnahan 
claims that nothing of his survived in that film except for the scene with Kerry Russell. Oh, really? With the bomb in the head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so right. he claims that he came up with that and that, that was the only thing that they kept. And, of course, J.J. Abrams famously went on and did Mission Impossible 3 and, yeah. and, and the rest is history. So Carnahan had kind of spent, I think I think it was like four years between NARC and, and, and um, Smoke and Aces. And mm. so most of that he had spent doing this film yeah, yeah. It's all the light of day. So then he did Smoke and Aces um, and he kind of delivered a single film of manic proportions with yeah. enough stories, characters, and just wildly oscillating tone mm. in that film. <laughs> it's all over the place yeah, yeah. To, to fill a franchise. Um, and w- w- what I will say about that is there was no denying it was Carnahan's vision. Yeah. And similarly, Army of the Dead is all Snyder. Mm. Like there's no interference I can see from yeah. anyone. It just breaks off Snyder, which – you know, considering what's happened with him recently, um, you know, good on him like, mm. for being able to yeah. do whatever he wants yeah. to do. Yeah, and sure, so sure. all of the, uh, the tragic stuff he's had to do, but also com- coming back and doing, um, uh, you know, uh, Justice League, Justice League yeah. and all the rest of it, delivering the Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut. Um, which is now, you know, just kind of the shorthand yeah. for anything. Yeah, like, it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, that's what I talk about from cutting a promo. It's like, well, here's what Hanford brought. Do you want to check out the Snyder Cut? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what I intended. Yeah. It's four hours. It's black and white. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Like, it's good to see a film like that that yeah. just breaks off, whether I agree with, whether it really did anything for me is a different mm. kind of point, I guess. Look, I often say when I'm talking about films like this that I'm grading on a curve. Yeah, uh, and I've come to realise that that is a pretty meaningless phrase. Uh, it probably needs some explanation. I feel like I use it to describe so many films I'm giving a pass to that I possibly need to draw like some sort of massive diagram of you know things that get graded on curves. Uh, you know, a mismatch of lines going from here to there, words, images, like the sort of thing. A now disgraced Australian celebrity chef would use to connect his multiple insane conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, but I'll try to explain the basics for you. I'm way more forgiving of first-time directors of people up against challenges like low budgets, extreme filming conditions. I'm more generous if I think I know what the director's trying to achieve and if I think they succeeded in their ambition. Uh, I'll also extend a bit of grace to films that go places, that make odd choices, that do things that surprise me. And I do take into account genre and the expectations of genre and whether a, a fan of that genre will be well served by this entry. So with all that in mind, I kind of dig Army of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Snyder's hardly a newcomer. I doubt he had a budget issue here, you know. Yeah. Uh, though I'm aware, the re, as we talked about, the recasting of uh, the Tig Natara uh, character created headaches, and, and I kind of admire what they did to get around that. But I feel like he wanted a blowout with a zombie heist movie full of headshots and carnage, and it was the film's ambition. If that was the film's ambition, it kind of it, it achieves it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, the heist itself stretches plausibility. Uh and the film is just too long, though at least not Justice League long. But I had a good time. It mostly didn't feel the duration. And finally, I am a fan of the genre, and I did feel well served by this film. The zombie hierarchy is a bit of a mess, to be sure, but I enjoyed the mix of shamblers and speedsters and the almost unbelievable moment of realising this film had a robo-zombie. <laughs> I, I'm still dealing with what a robo-zombie is. But most of all, there came a moment where a zombie, riding a zombie horse at the head of a zombie army that included a zombie tiger, Mounted a hill in the middle of a post-zombie-liptic Las Vegas where I thought to myself, you know, teenage zombie fan Simon would have lost his mind if you'd shown me this image, mm. you know? So, great on that curve. Army of the Dead is all right. Nice. Okay. Yeah, look, having said all of my kind of negative stuff, uh, like I say, I, 
I kind of find it hard to hate on Army of the Dead too much. Uh, it's indulgent, overlong, and packed with cliche characters, but it is good to see Snyder cut loose with a passion project that doesn't buckle under the weight of a fan base's expectations. Yep. Um, I've always been a defender of Snyder's Watchmen, uh, while being underwhelmed by nearly everything else he's done. Sure. Uh, Army of the Dead is the kind of silly fun you might like on a Friday night with popcorn and beer. Uh, but for me, I do worry that Snyder's created yet another universe I don't want to spend any more time in. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that's concerning. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. taking on his own Army of the Dead is, that's the thing where I'm like, by the end of that, I didn't find it that satisfying of a movie mm. without ends and everything else. It's like, this all just feels like it's feeding into this universe kind of thing, universe building. And, and that's the only thing that kind of bothered me, like self-contained. I'm not yeah. sure if it really holds yeah much in there at the end yeah 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 i mean there's a whole lot of stuff with like aliens and area 51 and like i think mm. robo zombies which i would actually really like if they never addressed ever in any way <laughs> you know yeah the idea that this might become a cinematic universe of you know yeah. different zombie types is actually a little frustrating but yeah i'd like it if they just left it that if he just threw his arms up in the air and said yeah i wanted robo zombie yeah oh, you know and that's it <laughs> And you just had to deal with it, you know? Yeah. No explanations necessary. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do worry that it's become an, a massive, you know, thing. And there are, like I say, an animated series on the way and a, yeah. a prequel movie. And yeah, uh, yeah it's too I'll, much. I'll probably just do what I normally do, which is wait till you see them all. And then you tell me which ones I should watch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. Like, I've seen all six films, Duncan, and these are the two you should watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In a bunch of years, I'll be saying, look, just ignore those, but watch the Ryan Johnson trilogy of Army of the Dead films that he's made. They're really good. Yeah. And Henry Cavill when he shows up in it. Spoiler alert. And that's a spoiler alert for this month. Yeah. So, uh, what was your favorite film of the month? Well, uh, I, my favorite film, I actually watched uh, Miyazaki's 2004 film, Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, uh, have you seen it? I have not. Yeah. Well, it didn't captivate me in the same way his Spirited Away did, which yep. is just phenomenal. Howl's Moving Castle still has plenty of enchanting sequences and a typically strong female protagonist. What's masterful is the way that Miyazaki creates his world and then draws us in, mm. uh, making it an enveloping experience. The 19th century architecture, steampunk military and fairy tale castle combined. And uh, like a modern day Wizard of Oz, Miyazaki has a knack for creating empathetic characters from inanimate objects. Uh, he can bring wisdom to a fireplace and heroism to a scarecrow. Uh, it's the themes of his stories and the idealisms of his characters that are just so endearing. Mm. So I uh, recommend checking this one out. Oh, if, cool. I, I'm not a massive watcher of animation. No, no, neither um, of us are, right? No, and, uh, but there's something about, you know, I mean, obviously he's you know, universally lauded pretty much mm. in this area. Um, and a lot of it's down to uh, my wife's big fan of Studio Ghibli yep. and, and stuff. And introduce me to him, but I really enjoyed this. Um, but if you haven't seen Spirited Away, that's the one to check out. Right. It's, it's fantastic. Great. Uh, look, well, for me, I watched a lot of horror this month, as I said before. Felt really good to get back on the horse again, uh, the zombie horse, <laughs> after so long away from the genre. And none of them were better than the tight scare fest that is A Quiet Place Part 2. Ooh. Yeah, man. Picking up immediately after the first film, though with an exceptionally well-constructed flashback the previously unseen chaotic events that began the alien invasion. Mm -hmm. Part two has a perhaps overly familiar take on post-apocalyptic world. We've all seen the Walking Dead um, series, right? So mm -hmm. we kind of, but it also has exceptionally tense set pieces and, and is structured artfully to have that tension build up over multiple scenes weaved together. It really feels like a, just a beautifully made film. Um, it's also a brief 90-odd minutes and makes it 
perfect way to return to the world of the quiet place. Like it just feels like a really good way to do a sequel to that film. Yeah, know? great. Yeah. yeah, this was uh, almost went this weekend, just gone oh, to go cool. and see it. So hopefully go and see it this coming weekend. Yeah, and check it out. Yeah, I really want to see it because the first one was uh, you know really well done, so yeah. really tense. Oh no, this so. is a solid sort of sequel as well. Sure. Like I don't want to oversell it in some yeah. respects, but I was just really pleased by it. And, um, nice. It's got some genuine jolts in the cinema, too, oh, which is great. fantastic. And so the song we're going out to is from Army of the Dead. It's a cover of uh, Viva Las Vegas by Richard Cheese and Alison Crow. Mm-hmm. And this plays over the um, impressive opening titles. Yeah. Maybe, you know, Zack Snyder should just do, like, opening, opening titles. titles. Yeah, maybe she should just do that. For just other do filmmakers. opening titles. For, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, that, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> opening titles by Zack Snyder. Yeah. He just does, like, a 90-minute film that's just opening titles just yeah. for different well, movies. That's the problem, of course. They'd become longer and longer, and they'd become black and white, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. The, yeah, the Schneider, Schneider cut of all your opening titles. But, um, yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and we yep. will check you out next month. All right, take care. Cheers. Bright light city gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up high. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there, and they're all living devil may care. Just the devil with love to spare So viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas Sonic a speech, now let's get on with the hanging Hooray!